have today. We continue to explore spiritual gifts, and we learn about God's mission as Jesus reads from Isaiah. Let's put these together and consider how, as we use and strengthen our gifts, we can fulfill God's mission for us, our communities, and the world. First, I'm going to show you an image, a sort of design. I want you to notice that at the center of this circle, or sphere, is Jesus. As the radii extend, we see different people, denominations, communities, etc. Do you see it? I hope so. Now I want you to consider this, that as each entity at the ends of the spokes moves closer to Jesus, to the center, they also move closer to one another. With Jesus at the center, even though we are diverse, we are unified. Unity and diversity, connection, cooperation. And I want to give you one more picture of this kind of connection. This time, this is about trees, about a forest. A discovery has been made that when the roots of trees touch, there is a substance present that reduces competition. This unknown fungus helps link the roots of various trees, including dissimilar species. A whole forest may be incorporated together in this manner. If one tree has access to nutrients, another to water, and a third to sunlight, the trees have the means to cooperate with one another to live. There have been many illustrations and analyses made to show a need for cooperation and support for one another. The tree illustration is one, the circle sphere another way to analyze the situation. While Paul, in his letter to the Corinthians, uses the body as a symbol of cooperation. There are clear areas of this cooperation. One, there's cooperation with the head, or the center, if we're looking at the sphere and the circle. The head is Jesus. Christ is the unifying power that keeps the whole thing together. Christ helps, thinks, guides, and directs the body, the body, which is us. Then there's cooperation within the body, with one another. And third, there's cooperation with a purpose, the purpose being God's mission. Remember the passage from Isaiah that was read by Jesus in the Gospel lesson? Yeah, that's the mission. So Paul was talking about gifts and about all of this, and I thought as I looked through all this, well, wait, did we just talk about spiritual gifts last week? So what's different? So let's take a look. How do we distinguish this week's passage from last week's? Last week's text speaks of all the gifts going together to make up the whole. This text says each gift goes together to make up the whole. A subtle distinction, to be sure, but it is nonetheless important. You can think of it as, as this. Last week we were saying the whole matters, unity matters, the body matters. This week we could say you matter to the body. You matter to the whole. Your gift matters. You matter is an important and popular message these days. But Paul's emphasis would have even more insight. It would be, you matter because the body won't be the body without you. 
without the gift you bring, without the person that you are. The first part of today's text can be seen with dealing with the inferiority complex that many of us have. We might think that our contribution to the whole isn't worth a whole lot, or that we don't measure up to the leaders of the congregation or the ones up front week after week. I'm just me, somebody might think. I'm nothing special. I'm nothing crucial. I don't really matter. But this passage, it tells us that each and every person's contribution is important. Whether it's sitting and listening, or checking the pews and cleaning up stuff that gets left, or bringing cookies, or greeting a visitor, or holding a door open for someone. Think about it. Each and every task and each and every person has importance. The second approach that Paul takes in this text is to deal with those who have a, I guess we could call it a superiority complex. These aren't the folks who need to be coaxed out of the shadows to the stage of recognition. These are the ones who are already there and they think they're above everybody else. They think that their gift deserves more recognition than someone else's. Paul, in this chapter, dealing with these quarreling Corinthians, Paul is attempting to push some into recognizing their proper place as part of the whole, and that everyone is part of the whole. He's teaching that a little humility would be a good thing. Paul wants us to remember how we get these gifts. He clearly states that any gift worth the title of spiritual gift has not come from within, but it has come from the Spirit. We are all sourced from the same reservoir. We all drink of the same Spirit, Paul tells us. Because of our common origin, because of our gift's common origin, we can share in the mutual support and mutual honor for whatever it is, whatever we do within the body of Christ. It's important to have focus on the interrelatedness of the gifts we use for building up the body. The, the reading says, if one member suffers, all suffer together with it. If one member is honored, all rejoice together with it. We are part of the whole, not one above another, or one more necessary than the other. We are one. Yet, there is still individuality. He says, you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. Individually members, meaning you are important. You the individual, you the person, you matter. But we know that best when we engage in the whole. That's when we realize how much we matter. When we act as part of the community and not just lone rangers. You are the body, and the best way to hear that phrase is in the true southern plural that I learned when I lived in Shreveport, Louisiana. Here it is. All y'all are the body. <laughs> Say it with me. All y'all are the body. Oh, geez. Right. Now that we understand and we know that we are the body of Christ, I want to turn our attention to today's gospel reading. In the hometown of Nazareth, Jesus used a section of Isaiah's prophecy for his mission statement. Since the church is the body of Christ, 
let's take a look at whether we are true to the mission. You know, organizations, especially nonprofits, are often judged on how effectively they fulfill their mission statement. So here's the standard by which we can assess the effectiveness of our life and work as the people of God. Here's what Jesus read. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So, how are we doing with that? And how do we go about doing that? Well, here's one thing. The church, the body of Christ, works by the Spirit. Luke emphasizes that, that role, the role of the Holy Spirit, in lots of different verses. The book of Acts focuses on the role of the Holy Spirit in the life of the church. Fulfilling the commission of the church depends on the power of the Holy Spirit. And we know the Spirit has power. You know, power can be unleashed or harnessed. Think about 10 gallons of gasoline. The energy in that gasoline can be released explosively with a lighted match, or it can be channeled through a car engine and used to transport a person 300, 350 miles. That's pretty cool. The Holy Spirit works both ways. At Pentecost, the Holy Spirit exploded onto the scene. Thousands were affected by one burst of God's power. But the Spirit also works through the church, channeling through the body of Christ here, through worship, through fellowship, community, through service. Christians tap into that lasting power. Another way, the church proclaims the good news. Jesus chose a text with three references to proclamation. The Holy Spirit anoints the church to preach the good news. When the early church faced oppression, they prayed to the Lord to enable your servants to speak your word with complete confidence. Boldly proclaim because of what the good news can bring to the poor, to the prisoners, to the blind, to the oppressed. The Lord promises freedom, sight, and release. And the church ministers to all people. The categories of need in that mission statement from Isaiah describe more than spiritual realities. It also addresses physical and social and emotional ills. These exist and the church must not ignore them. Much to the dislike of that hometown crowd, Jesus also included the Gentiles as recipients of God's favor. The church's mission extends to every person and every need. We can do that with the Spirit's power and with God's help and with commitment from each and every one of us, we can do it. Our Gospel speaks of mission, and our Corinthians reading taught us of spiritual gifts. Now, though our reading today stopped at the end of chapter 12 with a little admonition to strive for the greater gifts, we are not really left with a mystery, because we can just read on a little bit, and guess what comes next? It's chapter 13, the love chapter. That's the one wherein we learn that the greatest of these is love. 
And after all, that's really where all the gifts lead, to love. So, let's be the church. Let's be the body of Christ. Let's be love. Let's be the kind of church that reaches out to every person, every family, and makes a difference in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.